So I remember when I was younger, in college I think, and I remember reading the scriptures, reading through uh, mostly the Gospels, and um, having the experience of thinking that I had found a mistake, or thinking that I had found an error in the scriptures, or that there, yeah, that there was an error. Uh, and it bothered me on a certain level because you start to think, well, gosh, if that's wrong, or if that's a contradiction, that's probably a better word for it, if that's a contradiction, then what else might be in the scriptures that's wrong or a contradiction? And uh, so, like I said, it bugged me for a while and I didn't understand it. But ultimately, I got to the place where I said to myself, well, it's probably just me uh, messing up here. I'm probably misunderstanding something. And in fact, that was the case. So later on, as I got to the seminary and I learned more about the scriptures and how we're supposed to read the scriptures, I realized that, yes, in fact, I, I thought something was a contradiction. I thought there might be a mistake there, but there actually isn't. And specifically, I'll, I'll tell you what it was. So I was reading through the passion narratives, Jesus Christ, his passion, his death, his resurrection. And there's four gospels, right? So each gospel has a different account of that. And I, would, I read through the account of Matthew, and in the part where Jesus is with the Roman soldiers and they're ridiculing him, they're mocking him, spitting on him, uh, hitting him, those sorts of things, it says that they clothed him in a scarlet military cloak. So that's what St. Matthew says. But then if you go to St. Mark's account of that same scene, it says that they clothed him in a purple cloak. And again, I was like, well, gosh, which one is it? Um, is one of them wrong? What else might they be wrong about? And so that whole thing. But then, as I said, I realized later how we're supposed to actually read the scriptures. And we read the scriptures um, through the lens of what the author meant to say. Okay? So there are lots of authors of the different books of the Bible. Uh, they were meaning to say lots of different things in lots of different ways at times. So sometimes we have historical accounts of things that actually happen. Sometimes we have poetry. Sometimes we have psalms, which are actually songs meant to be sung. Sometimes we have apocalyptic literature, like Daniel or like Revelation. Sometimes we have other metaphors or other imagery. And we have to understand what we're reading, what the author intended us to read, in order to be able to understand it in the correct way. And so when it came to the two gospel writers, they were different in that tiny detail because they were writing to different audiences. They were trying to convey a certain message by that small detail to the audience they were writing for. And so the big point is that Jesus died on the cross. If they disagreed on that, there would be a problem, but they don't. They just represent that small detail in a certain way because of the audience that we're writing to. And so again, we understand the scriptures based on what the author was meaning to say. And you might say to that, okay, Father, well, how do we know what the author was meaning to say? How do we know we're interpreting it in the right way? That's where the church comes in. That's where the tradition of the church, the teaching authority of the church, the magisterium, uh, that's where all of that comes in. But that's a homily, a different homily for a different day. The reason I bring all of this up is because Jesus gives us some very hard lines here or some difficult things to understand in this gospel today. He says, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. 
If your feet, if your eyes cause you to sin, cut them off, pluck them out. And we read that and we see that he's, he seems serious here. He seems like he's telling us, giving us a command here. But then we see all of the people in the world, all of the Christians in the world, all of the Christians who have ever lived, and we say, well, gosh, no one's ever done that. Uh, at least not that I know of. We all have our hands, I think. Um, so how are we supposed to understand this? Are we actually supposed to do it or not? Do we take this literally or not? And the answer is that we take it in the way that Jesus meant it. He doesn't want us to actually cut off our hands. He doesn't actually want us to maim ourselves, to cut off our feet or our eyes. But he is making a point. He's exaggerating to make the strong point. He's doing hyperbole, exaggerating to make the strong point. And the point, of course, again, is not that we hurt ourselves. We're temples of the Holy Spirit. We are our bodies. God has given us the great gift of our bodies. We're not meant to hurt ourselves. But the point that Jesus is trying to make is that if there's anything in your life that causes you to sin, get rid of it. No matter how important it seems to you, if it's causing you to sin, get rid of it. Even if it seems as important as your eyes or your hands or your feet, even if it seems that important to you, get rid of it. Because it's not worth it if it's going to cause you to sin. There's nothing in your life so important that if it's causing you to sin, you shouldn't get rid of it. And that's the point that Jesus is trying to make to us. So again, we don't actually hurt ourselves, but it's important for us to get rid of the things that are causing us to sin. And so let's do a couple of examples. Here's an easy one to start. Say you're a big fan of ice cream. Okay. Now, there's nothing wrong with that in itself. I like ice cream. Probably many of you do as well. But say you buy a box of ice cream sandwiches and you have them in the freezer. And then later that night, you go to the freezer and you have one. Fine. But then you have another one. And then after that, another one. And then after that, you're up to four or five until finally the whole box is gone. All right. That would be sinful. That's gluttony. That's one of the seven deadly sins. You shouldn't do that. But if you're doing this over and over again, if you keep buying the box of ice cream sandwiches and eating the whole thing at night, something's wrong there. Something is causing you to sin. And Jesus is saying, cut out the ice cream sandwiches. Don't buy them anymore. Don't put that temptation in your life because it's causing you to sin. It's causing you to do something bad. Cut it out. Get rid of it. Now, maybe a more serious example, there are all sorts of things in our lives that could be causing us to sin that we could get rid of, but maybe won't be easy to do it. So here's the example. Maybe it's social media. Maybe it's Facebook. Maybe it's Twitter or Snapchat or whatever else is out there. Maybe it's uh, video games or being online in general. Say, if you're spending too much time on those things when you should be doing other things that are better for you, or if you're getting mad because of those things, or if you find yourself snooping into other people's business too much with those things, get rid of them. Get rid of those things if they're causing you to sin. And you might say, well, Father, uh, I hear you, but it would just be so tough. 
to get rid of that. How would I live without Facebook or without video games? And I hear you. It's not going to be easy, definitely. It's not easy to cut off your hand, cut off your hand in a metaphorical sense. But I promise you, if you do that, if you get rid of that thing that's causing you to sin, you're going to have freedom. Because if there's a thing that's causing you to sin, it's chaining you down. You're a slave to that thing, and you're not free to be the Christian that Jesus calls you to be. You're not free to go out and preach the gospel in the way that Jesus calls you to. Make the choice to cut that thing away, whatever it might be, so that you're free. So that you're free to be the Christian that Jesus calls you to be. Whatever it is. Again, there's nothing so important in your life that if it's causing you to sin, you shouldn't get rid of it. And now perhaps the deeper point of what Jesus is telling us here, we have to recognize that we all sin. We all have personal sin. Every one of us chooses to sin at times. There's no getting around that. There's no getting around that. But it is easy to avoid that truth a lot of the time, especially in our current um, like political climate, our current social climate, our current abilities with news and with internet to be able to see everything that's going on in the world. It's very easy to avoid our own sins. It's very easy just to keep looking at other people and saying, that person's bad. I don't like those people. I don't like what they're doing. And it's easy to focus on them. It's easy to think about liberalism, conservatism, racism, feminism, whatever ism you have that you don't like, it's easy to focus on that and say, those are the bad people. Those are the ones who need to change. But we can't do that, brothers and sisters. Jesus is telling us, is affirming to us the reality of personal sin. We all have to step back and look at ourselves first. Look at your own life first. Look at the places where you're sinning. Look at those things that might be causing you to sin that you might need to cut out. Do that first, and then you can go out. You can preach the good news. You can be that disciple that Jesus calls you to be. But don't overlook it. Don't overlook your own life. Make the changes that you need to make first, and then go out. And the nice thing about this gospel today is that Jesus doesn't simply just give us a command. He doesn't say, do this because I said so, that sort of thing, which would be good enough, of course. He's God. Whatever he says, we need to pay attention to. It would be good enough. But he doesn't just do that. He gives us the explanation for why we need to do these things. He says, it is better, uh, sorry, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter into life maimed than with two hands to go into Gehenna, into the unquenchable fire. This is a scary reality. Just in case you don't know, Gehenna means hell, the unquenchable fire. Jesus is telling us, point blank, hey, guys, if you persist in your sins, if you don't at least try to get rid of your sins, you're on the wrong road. Hell is a reality. 
All of us need to consider that. All of us need to think about our death, about our judgment at some point. We need to keep that somewhere in our minds so that we make the right choices, so that we choose to get rid of those things in our lives that are causing us to sin. Some of the saints are even depicted at times, usually it's like older, earlier saints, but sometimes they're depicted like writing at their desk or something, and they'll have a skull on their desk. And you look at the picture and you're, you're like, what is that? Why do they have a skull on their desk? But it was for them to remember their death, just like I'm saying. It reminded them each day of their mortality, of their coming judgment. And when you keep those things in your mind, it's easier to make the right decision. It's easier, it's easier to say, okay, I'm going to get rid of ice cream so that I'm not falling into Gehenna. I'd rather live my life without ice cream if it means I'm going to heaven. I ice cream isn't really worth it to me to go to hell. And we should be able to say that about anything. Ice cream's the easy example, but we should be able to say it about anything. Get rid of whatever it is that's causing you to sin in your lives, brothers and sisters. Yeah, it'll be tough at first. Yeah, there's suffering, but it's worth it. The kingdom of heaven is worth it. If watching football on Sunday is making you too angry and getting you all riled up and you're yelling at the TV and sinning that way, stop watching football. If you're missing Mass on Sundays because you've got sporting events or some other activity or whatever it is, stop those activities because they're keeping you from Jesus Christ. Don't let anything keep you from Jesus Christ, but give your whole heart to Him and let go of whatever it is that's causing you to sin. And now you might think, be thinking to yourselves, oh, great message, Father. This is a tough one for a Sunday morning. You're talking about sin. You're talking about death. You're talking about hell. feel really uplifted here. Thanks, Father. <laughs> but first of all, it's not my job to uplift you. It's my job to get you to heaven. And I promise you, if you're doing these things, you'll be taking the right steps. You'll be taking the steps to avoid hell and get to the heavenly kingdom. But if you need that encouragement and that uplifting moment, Look no further than the cross. Look no further than the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, in his sacrifice on the cross, destroys sin and death. We no longer have to fear those things because Jesus has conquered them for us. And if we go to him and allow him to work in our lives, if we go to him in our prayer, ask for that help we need, if we act like Christians and live the Christian life, if we spread the gospel, if we come to Mass and receive Him, body, blood, soul, and divinity, if we go to confession and give Him our sins, we have nothing to fear. The mercy of Jesus Christ conquers all things. So brothers and sisters, let us continue to go to Him, continue to allow Him to work in our lives so that He can bring us to everlasting life in the heavenly kingdom and so that we can be happy with Him forever.